This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Absolutely delighted to be joined on Football CFB by a man who's won promotions as a player and as a manager. Um, most recently was managing at Sheffield United in the Premier League on an interim basis. Has also managed to Burnley and in Scotland, Leeds United and Barnsley. In a playing career, he played for some really big clubs, including Bradford, Norwich City, Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley again, um, and a fair few others as well. Paul Heckenbottom, thanks for joining me. Yeah, morning, Callum. How are you? All right. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, delighted to have you on. And, and I want to start with your most uh, recent situation in, in management at Sheffield United. An interim basis, you came into that job having be, being a close friend of Chris Wilder. What was that like when you came into that role at the time that you did? Yeah, well, it, Chris um, initially spoke to me about it when I left Hibs. Um, and I, I went in, met a couple of times, and obviously I know the club well anyway and some staff there. Uh, but I just didn't want to be going in and then leaving, you know, to take a manager's job. So I had to be sure that I was going to commit to it for, you know, for a period of time, to be fair to Chris, to be fair to, to Sheffield United and to be fair to the young players that I'm working with. So, yeah, I had a good think about it. Uh, we obviously went into lockdown not long after, which which then gave me a little bit of a different perspective, you know, being at home with a family again, things like that. And I just thought that the time was right for me to, um, spend a couple of years doing something I love, which is the coaching side of it, while still uh, trying to get better and, and, and learning little bits about the management side where I thought I needed to be better. So, yeah, that, that was intense for stepping back in the 23s. It was great. And then obviously when when Chris left, um, yeah, it was a strange situation, a difficult one for everyone at the club. Um, and then from a personal point of view, it gave me a chance to, to practice again some of the, the things that, you know, I've been wanting to get better at. And in terms of managing in the Premier League, three wins from the last six games, how did that make you feel? Because, as you say, you're managing Hibs in Scotland, you leave Hibs, and then the next opportunity to manage a first team happens to come in the Premier League, which is probably a dream for most managers around the world. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is. And obviously I don't uh, knock that at all, but the way it came about, how it came about, uh, the fact I'd committed to sort of stepping away from it for a little bit meant it probably helped me, helped me put it in perspective a little bit more. Um, I called upon the things that, you know, I'd had three good management jobs and at real good clubs, which which helped me. I dealt with things that went really well previously, things I weren't too happy with, you know, so all those experiences probably helped me in what was a, a really difficult situation. One stepping in, when Chris left and, and how Chris left meant the club was at a real, real low. Uh, stepping in to fill the shoes of someone who was a real icon at the club and, and the fans adored him. And then also trying to lift the staff and the players up and get performances when, by all intents and purposes, everyone around the country knew we were relegated, you know, and it, it was tough. It was tough. Um, but we sort of tried to change the perspective and change 
what we're focusing on in terms of just just how we behave ourselves and what people then say about us, whether we're, we're in the Premier League or once we've been relegated, you know, all eyes are on you and, and people want to see how you behave and what you're made of. So we just kept focusing on that. And I think that that helped us regain a bit of focus, a bit of clarity and and a bit more drive, really, for the for the last few games in the season. Something that you've always been known for in your managerial career so far has been giving young players an opportunity, maybe obviously due to the background you've had with coaching younger sides and then stepping up to the first team with Barnsley and then, of course, with Sheffield United further down the line. With the situation you've just mentioned where most of the country thought Sheffield United or assumed Sheffield United were definitely down, did that make blooding some younger players that little bit easier because they wouldn't have had that intense scrutiny that they maybe would have had if it was the start of the season? Uh, no, not not at all. It's it's something I I have always been yeah. And and at Barnsley it was, you know, I remember being in the championship and our average age was nineteen years old and whatever many months, you know. And that was through sort of a necessity. We recruited young. We had a tiny squad, so whenever you picked up injury or suspension, you had to have the young boys ready. Um, and whilst you get employed, it's for that and. and I'd have happily take the pats on the back. You're still thinking, but I've got no choice. But when I went to Leeds, it was very similar again. Um, likes of Tom Pierce, um, Jack Clark, Jamie Shackleton at the end of the season when we went to Myanmar. So I, I've never been scared of putting them in if I think that the better are going to perform a role better for the team than someone either twice their age or on twice as much money. It's irrelevant. It's it's about someone performing the role and. The energy and enthusiasm that young players can bring is can be infectious. Um, so no, I think I've always done it out of um, yeah a need a need to try and win games rather than just feeling sorry for anyone all the time of the year, you know. Um, and I think that's been backed up at different places. Whether that's been say Josh Doyle got at Hibs, for example, who hearts released, we took him and he'd been training with us, and and we, he stood out a mile to me. Wasn't ready for the first team, but 12 months later, then we're giving him his debut in the League Cup and things like that. So, yeah, the, the time of the season has been irrelevant. It's been more, is that player ready um, and do they deserve it? Because you can do a lot more harm to a young player by just throwing them in when they're not ready um, or give the wrong messages if, if you're putting them in when they don't deserve it. And, and you, you mentioned Josh Doig there, and, and let's let's reflect on, on Hibs. When you were appointed um, as Hibs manager, um, obviously being based in Scotland, it was something that was seen at the time as, as being honest, being an exciting appointment in the sense that you'd been at Barnsley, there was success there, there was a track record. You'd been at Leeds, albeit Leeds were a turbulent football club for a, a period of time, and there was many managers who, who were there for short or medium periods of time. But when you came to Hibs, there was, there was an air of... Of, of excitement and wanting to see what you could bring to the table, having came out, came up from England. What attracted you to Hibs in the first place? Obviously, being in Scotland, it's a massive club, but what attracted you? Uh, the infrastructure of the club, really, and the fact that I wanted to, to go and work for someone where I believe what they were doing and the stability. And, uh, you know, I wanted to understand where the manager's role fit in amongst a football club and everyone else's roles fit because. You know, that, that was then going to be my fourth different ownership, you know, um, and, and the first one through choice, if you like, you know, the first one I got to choose and pick. And, you know, I was really excited to then go up and, and Sir Tom obviously owned the club. We had a chairman in place in, in Mr. Petrie. We had uh, George in as head of football operations as Leanne as CEO and 
quickly within a couple of weeks, you could see that it was exactly as I envisaged, uh, as I envisaged and exactly as they'd set it out to be, which was great. It was fantastic. So that was the reason I chose chose a club. And then quickly, when you when you when you're up there, one of the most attractive things uh, is how intense the the energy is and the passion is for football when you're up in Scotland. And I still talk about that now all the time. Anyone considering going playing there, managing there, coaching there. Uh, I talk about that all the time and two reasons. One, they have to be pre prepared for it. Uh, and two, they have to enjoy that part of it and, and what it brings because it's it's a big attraction. And in terms of yourself, when you come into Hibs in the, in the February of 2019, you go on an unbeaten run with the club. You won manager, manager of the month in, in the March. It really was a, a straight out the block start. Is that something that... that Obviously, you were delighted with, but could you sense that maybe towards the end of the season that because it was such a blistering start that it, it might just peter out a little bit as, as, as you were comfortably in the top six? Yeah, the, the bit, it stood out strange because obviously one different thing for me then was obviously the split and the top six. Uh, and then off the back of that as well, because we certainly don't have this down in England. I've never experienced it just as a... There's a sense of, so we went on a great run and we were chasing Europe, obviously. We were chasing that fourth spot. And I think we drew at home to, uh, it was either Hearts game or the Kilmarnock game. And it virtually put pay that we couldn't couldn't get fourth. We couldn't catch Kilmarnock. And then everybody from the fans, the media, uh, everyone at the football clubs, all of a sudden starts talking about next season. I think we had three games left, four games left. And I couldn't get my head around that, that there's still four games left to win. But yeah, everyone's sort of writing them off and just wants them out of the way for the season after. And it's, uh, yeah, I really struggled with that. And I just, I just couldn't get my head around how the focus can suddenly shift and be all about like a, like a holiday and then starting for next season when you've got three, four games left to win. Um, yeah, that, that was a strange one for me. I know, listen, it happens in other countries as well. I've spoke about it now with, with other managers who, who get and see it, but. Certainly, uh, I've never experienced that down in England. It's always been about the win and people always playing to maintain the place in the team and, and the contract for next season. So, yeah, that, that was that, that was a, a different one in terms of then maintaining that intensity, if you like, because we'd had intensity, we're always chasing something. Then all of a sudden, there's nothing to catch. Yeah, and it was like falling off a cliff, everyone just down tools and, you know, and the mindset of everyone involved in, in, in our club then shifts. And in terms of yourself, you've played and, and managed the Derby matches in England and, and obviously you come up to Scotland and you experienced Edinburgh Derby. What was that like being on the touchline, especially Brilliant. going yeah. to Tynecastle? Brilliant. It's like, a, it's like a throwback to what Derby's used to be like down here 15, 20 years ago. Um, so one thing that, that is different, I've mentioned the intensity of the fans, so the differences between English football and Scottish football. One's the intensity of the fans, Two's how the game's refereed, so more is let go. Um, and, and it is less corporate up in Scotland, where certainly in the top two leagues in, in England, there's a lot more uh, corporate things there and, and more people there who aren't necessarily diehard 100% fans. Um, so you do lose it. It's diluted then in how the game's refereed and, and the passion of the fans at the side of the pitch. So, yeah, it was a throwback for me to when I was playing in in Yorkshire derbies or, or things like that when I was younger. And yeah, it was it was great. That's how derbies should be. Because one thing I don't like the way football's going at the minute is how diluted it's getting in terms of uh, tackles and what we as football people are, are accepting is a foul. You know, 
there's an art to tackling, there's a skill to tackling. We should be able to coach it, and and fans love to see it. So we need to be really careful where we let the game go. Absolutely, and and you, you mentioned that real intensity to the start you had at Hibs then as you say it sort of peters out as, as fourth place isn't achievable going into that summer how did you feel because a lot of people expected momentum from that your Hibs side from the following season did, did you feel anything was different during the pre-season that you had could you could you put your finger on anything no no I, we were really excited for the only the only thing and, and this is not an excuse but you know, I, I found out the day before the club was sold that the club was getting sold, you know, and I hated that. I, I'm not know why how upset I was and how angry I was with everyone connected with the club about that because, as I said, I'd gone to work for a group of people who I believed in and I loved that infrastructure. And then again, through no cho- choice of mine, I've got another new owner. And, and regardless what people say in terms of, yeah, things will be the same, the budget may stay the same, but you can see it within... Within a few weeks, obviously, Sir Tom's gone, the chairman's gone. Leanna's CEO is then focused on on other aspects of running a football club. Uh, and uh, George George Craig resigns. You know, he's, he's not got the energy to to educate and work with and, and manage an, another new owner. So all of a sudden, every single person I've come to work for is gone. Um, and and I was really disappointed about that really disappointed then the whole dynamic of the club for me you know coming in uh had changed and uh yeah that that's the most frustrating thing as a as a head coach or manager is is the things that you know you just if you could always just focus on the football then it'd be the easiest job or for me the easiest best job in the world because the football and the players are, are something that's really really enjoyable but it's only a small portion of the job really and, and when you look at the some of the signings that you made, Christian Doidge is the one that always comes to mind. And I think most observers of football in Scotland always think you pinpoint him, you bring him in. He doesn't quite get off the mark while you're there. And then typical football, you go, he gets that rubber the green up front and then he goes on a, a scoring streak. Is that something that that is frustrating when you look back? Obviously, it's not his fault. It's not your fault. It's just one of yeah, those things in it, football. It's just one of them things. We, listen, I'm delighted for him because he's a fantastic lad. Um, you know, we'd actually been working on that different sort of shape. I think we went to it in the two games previous, playing more of a diamond in midfield and, and getting the two up top. Um, so we're always going to go to it and just, just lo and behold, you never get the chance then to to do it in the game you really want to because, you know, the, the result would have been the same. It was all confirmed what we we're going to do. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. That's a timing thing, you know, it is. Uh, but I was delighted for, for Doji. I knew he's... He's always had the game to, to to compete and score goals in, in the Scottish leagues. That's why we signed him. And, and in all honesty, I think he'd been a target for Hibs uh, the summer before or two summers before, you know. So, yeah, I was, I was as frustrated as it was for me. And sometimes you just know it's not meant to be when you, you sat at home and then that next game and within you've seen a 15-minute hat-trick going for Dodgy, then you know it's a, it's a sign. <laughs> well, well, you've got that. And then obviously you've got Joan Yule, who's another player who... Many yeah. people absolutely love to watch. And again, I think, again, with the power of hindsight, fans do look back and think of the manager who did pinpoint them and, and bring them in. Was he another player right away that, that you were very keen to bring to Hibs? Yeah, I think he's Hibs type player. Like I said, people like to watch him. We were always conscious of the football club we were going to. And I spoke to so many people in and around the club, but more probably more importantly, the fans roundabouts. I lived in Edinburgh. And you want to get a feel of the club and what the club is and the type of players that, that the club want to bring in and watch. So 
yeah, we, we knew Joe was that type of player. I, I just think both of them, and along with some others, were, you know, I spoke about the intensity and the differences in Scottish football. One, how it's refereed, two, the intensity of fans. And if you're living in the area, it is a goldfish bowl, you know? Um, and, and I think it took those players, and, and it can take a lot of other players, a long time to adapt and, and get used to that. One player I, I spoke to, to to Robbie Stockdale about, and I want to get your opinion on as well, is, is Ryan Porteous, a very highly rated player. He's been coming through the system, obviously, at Hibernian. Um, He's linked with, with moves again this summer. He's someone who you put a lot of faith in when, when, when you were there. Do you see him having the attributes to be able to take another step up in his game? And that's no disrespect to Hibs and maybe play for one of the big two in Scotland or, or maybe make a career down in England if he wants that in years to come? Yeah, in terms of, yeah, when I was there, did I see that in him 100%? I've not followed him closely since. You know, my my job now has took me away from first team, and but I've spoke about him to other clubs, I'll be honest. People ask me about him. And I can only speak well of him, but I've not followed his his career now for the last eighteen months because I've been focusing on uh, on other things. Um, but he's certainly got the attributes. I, I like the work we did with Ryan in terms of he's coming back from a serious knee injury. He's obviously someone who had a lot of potential, and we we wanted to channel it and and get him to learn the game and play 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 the way that brought the you know play to his strengths, but also we could not hide his weaknesses, but whilst we developed his weaknesses away from away from first-team football on the training ground, and he responded really well. He's, he's someone who is a game player, regardless of what goes on. He crosses the white line and he's a winner. Um, and I really like that about him. That's probably his biggest attribute and the thing that really that I really took to. Overall, when, when you look back at, at Hibs, blistering start, derby victory... It ends obviously with a semi-final, which is which is I suppose a bit ironic. You get to a semi-final and then then it ends quite soon after. How do you reflect on it with the power of hindsight now? Are you still glad that you took that opportunity and and do you look back with pride that you managed Hibs, but maybe there's just that wee burning itch that you think if Doige, as you say, had just found yeah. a bit of form just before, it could have been different. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably great with something up. Pride, definitely, hundred percent. I love the. F- it's a great experience, a different experience, and, and it is different. It might just be over the border. You know, I can drive there again today, um, but it's a different country and it is a different style of football, without a doubt. And it's sort of, if you're going to then go and work in mainland Europe or anywhere else around the world, there's a little bit of a blueprint there, if you like, as a coach or manager, where you, what you take into it, because you have to learn the game, because it is different. You have to adapt to the media, you have to adapt to the supporters, um, and, you, and you have to learn a new league. And and that is all part of it when you when you're going and working somewhere new. So, yeah, it, it, there's pride in managing that club. Fantastic club. The city's great. Um, and there is yeah, hundred percent frustration. I wish it would have been different. And and still been there. I never I never shied away from that. I'm not gonna not gonna hide away from that. I I love my time there, and I'd have loved to have been there managing him in Europe without a doubt. One of the, the clubs I really want to get your perspective on from your time there as a player and manager is, is Barnsley, particularly in the managerial side. You'd won a promotion there as a player uh, in, in quite cagey situation with a penalty shootout that you score in. Going in there to the development squad and then stepping up to be the first team manager, was that something that really excited you at the time? Were you particularly nervous at that time stepping into your first managerial job or did your playing experience give you the confidence that you could step up and, and do a good job, which you go on to do? 
yeah. So, so two things. So the, I'd been coaching a long time. Now. I was still coaching while I was playing. So I felt really comfortable as a coach, relating with players, taking a team, you know, being on the side of the pitch in the, in the uh, hectic nature of what a game is. You know, I'd experienced all that. So I'd, I was comfortable. That. It just felt an easy progression. Um, I was proud because that's my club. You know, I've never, everybody knows that. I was a season ticket holder at Barnsley. I'd been mascot at Barnsley when I was young, you know, and, and that was my team. So, yeah, felt a lot of uh, responsibility there is, is a big thing. And me and Chris Wilder actually used to speak about, he's the same at Sheffield United, I was the same, but a lot of responsibility and even more so in every decision you make. Um, but it wasn't really until it, it was the first final, the um, Johnson's Paint final, when all of a sudden... I get up on the morning of the final and I get my phone and there's like hundreds of messages there and it's from people I know, friends, family, but all of a sudden they're not your friends and family anymore. There's someone who's got the Barnsley manager's phone number. Do you know what I mean? And it's all oh, but honestly, it took me breath. That I never forget the feeling that morning. Then that was the first time I realised that, yeah, I was managing my my hometown club and there's all these thousands of people relying on us, you know, and and expecting and hoping that we could that we could win. So from that moment on. Uh, I felt the full force of it. I felt the full force of living in a town, having grown up in it, having played for it, uh, been a season ticket holder, mascot, you know, and and um, yeah, it, 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 there's no greater pressure, I think, if you like, and responsibility than that, regardless what club you're at. And in, and in terms of that, you talk about the Johnson's Paint Trophy final, one of the players that you had in your, in your side, I've actually spoken to him on the show, Adam Hamill, he's someone who, a bit of a character, let's just say, but he always had a mo well, he, he had moments of magic that he could produce in a game. He, he produced one in that game to, to help you win the, the, the trophy that day at Wembley. What was he like to work with? And what, what is that kind of player like to work with who is a character, who is unpredictable by nature? Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Adam. He's, uh, he's someone who... I got pretty close to, yeah, both on the pitch and off the pitch in terms of how I managed him and, you know, gave him a lot of my time and him and his family and things like that. Uh, and I think he respected that. You know, I gave him the, the freedom and the licence to, to to express himself, but I also expected a professionalism and a, and a and a real big responsibility towards the team. And I think it helped to bring the best out of him. And, yeah, he's... he's I don't. I really like working with people like that. You might have to manage Monday to Friday. You might have to be different with them, tough on them. You know, keep them on a short leash. However you want to say it, it's all different players. But you know, those type of players who were hard work in the week or could potentially be hard work in the week. But then, as I said, a Saturday they cross the white line and they just love football. And Adams like that. He he just loves it. Give him the football. White like don't matter who he's playing against. He's got a real bravery. Um, on the pitch to, to take the ball and and he, he just loves football. A young player, I want to ask you about who you had on loan also, Ivan Tony. are you surprised to see how he's really taken his game on to now about to play in the Premier League and coming off the back of a record-breaking championship season? Is that something that you, you saw that he might be able to go on and do or have you just been like everyone else, astonished by the sheer growth of him over the years? Oh, yeah, the grow. You know he's probably capable because he had good attributes. He had an aggression about him and a physicality. Um, and that's probably got even greater and he's learned how to use it. And that's that's been the biggest development in his game. But, yeah, Barnes, he, he was unlucky. We had 
four forward. I had one who you know really well, Marley Watkins from his time up in Scotland. Sam Winnell, who was doing great. Ashley Fletcher, who was just out of the team. I took over and, and got him into the team and he took off then. We had him on loan from Manchester United. And then we had Ivan. So we had four real strong forwards. Um, and we used them all at different times, you know, from the bench starting. So he was... He played his part, Ivan. One in the in the Johnson's paint win, and, and two in the in the promotion final win. And, and and just on those playoffs, you you've won promotion in the playoffs as a player. You've won promotion as a manager. What are the playoffs like when you're actually involved in it? Again, from a neutral perspective, it's fantastic to watch both legs, and then the final at Wembley or the Millennium Stadium, depending obviously on the timescale we're talking yeah. here. But what's it like to be involved in it? How do you keep a lid on nerves, excitement, adrenaline? Because it's it's just an unbelievable occasion. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best. So and I've been lucky. So as a player, I was involved in four. I got I got beat in the semi-final and, and broke my foot in the warm-up. So that was that was a low. Then I got beat in a final at Wembley. Um then I won a final at Cardiff. Um Glorious day like this, burning hot, went to extra time and then won a final the year after at Cardiff when, as you said, when it went to penalties, that was Barnsley with the roof closed as well. So I've experienced so much as a player in the playoffs and they're terrific, but you, it's the best way to go up, but it's only the best way to go up because you can't guarantee it. Do you know what I mean? And you've got, it's like a, it's a cup final after 46 rounds and then a semi-final. That's what it is. It's the biggest cup competition in the world if you looked at it that way. So after all that season long, all that effort, everything you've put in, you're lucky enough then to get to a two-legged semi and then hopefully you get to a final and then that's it. It's just unreal. So, yeah, it's different. I like the fact that you have those two, three weeks, so there's extended periods between games, which the build-up, the adrenaline, the nerves as you put it, you have to maintain that. You may be doing things different as a, as a manager to, to alleviate that with the players. Um yeah, it's just a fantastic, the best, it's probably the best change that was ever made to football, without a doubt, for keeping the season going and keeping that interest. One one last player I want to ask you about from that period of time where you'd won in the promotion, you'd won in the, the, the Johnson's Paint Trophies, Connor Hurahan, he was your skipper. Um, he's obviously went on to play for Aston Villa, he's played at Swansea. He, he, he seems from the outside looking in as if he's a really good role model and someone that, would just give 110% in every training session. Is that a fair assumption of what he's like? Yeah, terrific guy. A lot of time for Connor. He, um, yeah, he was someone who, he'd actually an enemy time. I think he was with Barnsley towards the end, just before he left. I used him and speaking then with the younger players, as I was managing them at speaking with the younger players. So Connor's someone who, we did a lot of work, both when I wasn't manager, so when I was coach, terms of video and really pointing things out to him about his game and it was uncomfortable you know it's real the, the real important things which you don't always enjoy speaking to a player about but you know if, if we can get this and crack this it's going to be make a big difference and he showed the bravery the maturity and and the desire to, to respond to that and get better and and probably the best thing that I, that I helped Connor with and this is the example of the younger players is helped him develop the ability to get better, you know, because he had that drive and, and the determination to be better. He, he can get better himself. So really, when you, I felt by the end of it, by the time I was coaching Connor at the end, you're just there to help and guide, you know. You didn't need pushing, uh, didn't need the drive, just a little bit of direction. You were there to help him. And, and your role as a coach, your role is always different with every player and what they need. But 
as I said, that, that's one of the proudest things I've I feel I've helped someone with as a as a coach. Um, would be Connor, and it'd be that that just developing that ability to get better. So that's the skill, you know, knowing how to get better, and then as a helping the player develop that skill, in the, so they can do it themselves. I want to go back to something you said earlier about yourself and, and Chris Wilder, and it's when when you're managing the club that you love and you support. All of us, or well, as fans, maybe play football manager or whatever it may be, and we love managing the, the club we love. But again, it's very easy to do that on a simulated game. When you're in that position full time, every day you mention friends and family, go from seeing you as Paul to, to being the Barnsley manager. Mm. What's it like when you're winning promotions and you're winning trophies? I imagine it's it's a feeling that is very hard to top. But similarly, if you get a heavy defeat, yeah. it must weigh heavy on you. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you. you tenfold everything else so being that's the best thing about being a manager is is that you can't replicate those emotions it's great it's fantastic and then to do that at a club you love at um when everybody else you're close to loves as well do you know what i mean and you say you're in the you're in the town it, yeah it's strange it is strange we we actually moved house off the because of it you know it's not only oh and it's in a good way everything come but people know you live people just knock on your door all the time there's no no respite you know and no, no one's been rude. They just, you know, an autograph or these little kids with the football. You come and play football with me. Do you know what I mean? Non-stop. Just so we ended up having to uh, move because of things like that, which is not, not to say that's bad, but you just you what you need to be able to. You need your own time because it's it's my choice to be a manager. It's not my family's choice. Do you know what I mean? And that's one thing. That's probably the the, the other things a manager for you highs and, and then the lows is everything. That, that can be bad about being a manager affects your family as well, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, it, it was strange, really strange. Um, it was something I'll never forget. Just on the, the family aspect of management, and, and if this is too personal, feel free to, to not answer, but when you go from managing at Oakwell, you've, you've won a big match or there's been a defeat or whatever it may be, how is it difficult to switch off from being the Barnsley manager, Paul, to being just a father and and and, and, and all the, the aspects that come with family life when you come home? I always wonder, what's that transition like? Because again, as fans, at times we can see managers and players as robots. We see them on the park, we see them on social media, we see them in the clips of training that we get to watch, but we don't consider the fact that yeah. they have lives outside of football as well. And I think that's, yeah, and that's the thing, you, you need to get that, as normal as possible, otherwise you won't ever switch. Because, regardless, if you're in the public eye or you, if I'm Hibs manager walking around Edinburgh or out, you're very conscious of people watching you. Look, so you never, you never really relaxed as such, you know. Even if that's family time, so I think it's really important to get some space and some time away out of anyone's view, anyone's, you know, gaze. Uh, not not because that's a bad, but you need your own time. You, your family need to see you as yourself. You need to be able to switch off and relax because regardless what people say, there's always someone willing to take a picture that they shouldn't be taking or, you know, put something on social media that they shouldn't be putting on, you know, and that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's probably the worst part about it. And, and just on... Barnsley and towards the end with Barnsley there's been interest in you from obviously other clubs Sunderland were heavily linked as were Nottingham Forest but when a club like Leeds United came in for you is it just too big to turn down? No in all honesty it wasn't, it was nothing to do with that it, I'd have happily stayed but like I said we had new owners and all of a sudden 
things were happening that I didn't even know about, like medicals for players and things like that. So it was a case of me seeing the CEO and just saying, look, the next club that comes, I'm going. You know, this this is not right. This can't be happening. And it was Leeds that came next. It was simple as that. Something I didn't want to do. But it's just on principle and the fact I was getting lied to that that meant it was, it was just my call, my own personal standards, if you like, that now that's it, time for me to go. And as a manager, when that is happening, and there's been numerous stories, not just with, with a club like Barnsley, and across across Europe, when there are players maybe being brought in or being heavily recommended to you that you don't particularly rate personally, how how difficult is that to manage? Is it impossible to manage, as you've suggested? No, no, because if... if uh... If clubs would say that they're doing the recruitment, so your job is just head coach or manager to look after the team and the players, fine, no problem. I don't, I've not got no problems as a manager, but the problem is in my contract it said that I had all I had hundred um, percent responsibility for the you know for the first team and things like that for signings and, and many do. So regardless if it's in your contract or not, if if the club want you to take responsibility for the signings but you haven't got responsibility, then at some point it's going to break down, isn't it? So. Yeah, that, that's the difficulty of it. I don't think anyone, and I'm certainly not bothered, if, if in my next manager's job that they own, it's the owner's club, it's the owner's money, and we have to respect that, and that you go and work for someone off the back of what they say. So if they if they want to make their own signings, no problem, no problem. But then as a manager, you should just be judged on, on the work you do on the training field. Moving on to, to Leeds United, massive club. Um, at that stage, had been outside the Premier League for a number of years, and as, as we both know, only very recently returned. Again, you blooded a lot of young players into the team. Peacock Farrell, who's went on to obviously play international football. Ryan Edmondson was recently up here in Scotland. Pierce, we talked about earlier, and, and, and a few others there as well. When, when you went into Leeds at that time, could you sense that it was a club that had been through really turbulent times? Yeah, knew that. Well documented, everybody knew. But everyone says, no, oh, but it wasn't far away, you know. It wasn't far away. That's a frustrating thing there. And I have a good relationship with, with the guys at Leeds, Andres, the owner, and, and Victor, director of football, plus the other directors there. Um, and, and listen, things didn't work out. And, you know, when, when they started hunting a manager like Marcelo Bielsa, it's tough for you then as, as the manager in there to, uh, to keep your place as such. It's tough. But... There's a, there's a respect there, I think, between us both in terms of it was only now after I've left that I think they really realise uh, the work that was done, you know, both in terms of with with the players, but but probably more importantly, behind the scenes and just setting up a, a way of working which is going to help to bring a bit of success. And we speak about that regularly now. So, yeah, it's, again, from my point of view, it's frustrating, but it was, Andres said, brand new owner, you know, new in the job. Uh, and, he's, and he's a totally different owner now, you know, off the back of his experiences, just like we learn as managers, owners learn as owners. And and, and it's good for for us to speak about it now because my next owner I might have might be brand new again, you know. Um, and and you, need to, you need to be able to understand that and know where they're coming from. Um, just like Andres now is more skilled and work with different managers and, and he, he understands his role more as, 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 a, as an owner. So, yeah, I... It's probably right club, wrong time, if you know what I mean, for me. Um, but, again, great learning experience for me. And as I said, all these things we spoke about, Barnes, Leeds, Hibs, those experiences, good and bad, the success, the failures, um, all then helped me when 
they had to take over at Sheffield United in difficult circumstances. So that, that's what they're all for. They're all about, you know, as long as you can learn from them, you're, you're better equipped. I'm a much better manager and or coach now than I was when, when I first took over at Barnsley. And, and just as, as you've said there, when you look at your managerial career, you look at the situation you were just in with Sheffield United in the Premier League in the interim spell, you feel a better manager, a better coach. You're, you're back doing your role with the under-23s. I, I saw a lovely message you posted um, to wish Yukanovic, Slava Slavisa Yukanovic well for the season ahead. At the moment, is it a case for you of working as hard as you can with the under-23s, but being open-minded at the possibility that something might come up that, that you do fancy and you want to go for? Yeah, I've, I've had opportunities last year, but as I said, I didn't want to come into Sheffield United and then be jumping ship, you know. I yeah. wanted to show my commitment to the club uh, and, and I said, more importantly, to the players, the, the young players. Listen, I actually find it easier coaching and managing first-team players than I do under-23s. I find the challenge of under-23s getting under the skin of every single young player really difficult, you know. There's a reason, there's natural filters that get to a first team level where you, you're driven, you've got the right psychological qualities. You'd be, by the time you're coaching first team players, they're the cream of the cream, if you know what I mean. But I still want to get as many of these young players through and have professional careers. So, yeah, I, I really go to town on it. I really challenge them and, and, and I give it 100% effort and energy and, and it's draining. I'm not going to lie, it's draining, you know. Uh, but that shows that I'm bothered about it and, and passionate about it you know the moment I don't get that and I feel like I'm not giving 100% it'd be time for me to stop doing it so at the minute really happy but as I said I will step back into it at some point 100% will uh, but not just right now. And in terms of the future as you say in the sort of years to come are you open-minded about where that could be would you consider opportunities in Europe would you consider Scottish football again or if you sort of get rid of that itch and it's you're focused on English football no anything anything not not really bothered as I said a big thing would be the club big probably the biggest thing would be my relationship with the owner would be the my relationship with the man in charge uh, and that would determine for me what the club would be it wouldn't be wouldn't necessarily be the size of the club the league it's in it would be mine and the owners, mine and the, the people in charge of the board because there's different structures now, it'd be, it'd be that relationship, you know, because I'm really clear, I think, on, on how it'd look and how it'd work and what it takes to work. But you need that stability, you need that trust, you know, and, and that goes both ways. The, the owner needs to trust me. So that'd be the biggest factor. And the, the sort of last main question I've got for you, Paul, a lot of, as you get older as a player, you get younger players coming to you for advice. You've managed lots of clubs as we've talked about you've had success you've had what you've referred to there as, as some relative failures as well you've learned a lot from those what would you say if a young coach approached you for advice now in terms of getting into football in terms of just coaching uh, going on to coach or manage you got to say if you just if it's like say if it's a similar pathway to me or someone who's you know just starting on the ladder practice 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 like anything else there's a skill to coaching it, it, and when I say that, you, of course, you need to know the game or, or the detail and what you're coaching, but it's only part of it. You need to know how to teach, you know, and there's been a big shift, probably in England more so than Scotland in the youth coaches. And uh, I think one thing that England, England youth coaching is ahead of Scottish youth coaching is 
the attention that it got and, and the, the investment that it got. And, and there's a, a lot of really good teachers at youth level from nines all the way up to 18s, if you like. And, and that's, that's probably the biggest skill you have to learn. So you could ex-players and all the knowledge they've got or all the skills they've got as a footballer doesn't translate into being a good coach unless you can teach it. So it's practice again, practice that skill, whether it's the, your session design, the behaviours you're using, the words you're using, everything. Go on, practice, practice, practice. You know, don't don't try and run before you can walk. And then it's, uh, it's something that I don't think you'll ever stop getting better at. You know, if, if you love doing it, you continue coaching, 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 you'll just continue to get better at it. Brilliant, Paul. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. No problem, enjoyed it. Thank you. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a